welcome to the Intuitively Wild podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Levine. Living Intuitively Wild is about coming back home to ourselves. Here, we talk about how to live connected to ourselves, others, and nature, and make a commitment to radical authenticity, vulnerability, and acceptance. On this podcast, we delve into a wide range of topics that span the human experience. We peel back the layers and talk about the things that are often not talked about. This is a space for us all to walk and wander this path of life together. Let's dig into our roots and go deep. Today's episode is a really special one. It's with my past mentor and business coach turned dear friend, Samantha Abrams. She is a very successful business owner and shares her story of developing Emmy's Organics. And we go deep into learning how to trust your intuition, making big decisions for yourself, regardless of what anyone else will think, and navigating change. In the last few years, Samantha has completely changed her life and she's now traveling more, working differently, living differently, and embracing who she truly fully is. I am so grateful to have her in my life and I really hope that you all love this episode. And as a reminder, if you want to learn more about connecting to your intuition and living intuitively wild yourself, I am working with people with my Intuitively Wild signature readings, and I would love to connect with you about it. So feel free to reach out with any questions. I'm so, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. This has been a long time coming, I think. It has. It has. And Samantha was my business coach, and we were working together when I started the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I've always known that you would come on. And it means a lot to me. I consider you a friend now, and I'm just Mm -hmm. really so grateful to have you in my life and for our connection. So thank you so much for being here. Mm, Yes. No, I've just so loved getting to know you. And I love seeing how your business is shifting and expanding and been really cool to witness. So you are currently in Costa Rica. When we were working together, you were in California, but you had already undergone a huge transition. You had shifted from a relationship that you were in for a really long time. You had shifted with your work that you were doing. You had moved to California and now you're traveling. So tell us a little bit about what this whole transformation and growth has been like for you the past few years and also what, how you ended up in Costa Rica. This past year has been a big year of growth for me and a big year of letting go of my former life, being in a relationship, um, doing certain roles within my business, living in upstate New York and Ithaca. It's definitely been a very, it's been a really important year for me. I think like learning to let go of things that have been a very solid part of your identity for a very long time. It's not easy. It was almost a year ago now that I drove from Ithaca to LA. And when I left, I did not know that I was going to stay there. I mean, I think I did. I think I knew. I think I knew that a lot of this change that has happened was going to happen. I was just fucking terrified of it. And so... Uh, I think I knew that I would want to stay in LA. It's a place that I've visited almost every year for many years. I have great friends there and there's a lot of things in LA that bring me joy. I have access to things that I really love. But when I left, I was like, I'm just going to feel it out. I was not able to like settle for a while because I was still, I think, hanging on to my old life. You know, I was hoping that my move might shift something in my relationship, um, Maybe I'd want to go back to Ithaca. I didn't know. Um, So yeah, as I said, it's just been, it's been a year of letting go. And there was a point when I was like, I actually love it here. And this is a place where I could really see myself living. And so I started pursuing finding, you know, I found these amazing kind of short-term furnished rentals on various, if you're looking for one, I'm like, I have so many different (laughs) platforms that I was obsessively searching on. I found an amazing real estate agent who was going to help me find a rental. She was very patient and awesome with me because I wanted something specific, you know, as my home. And 
it just was not happening. And I would get really frustrated because I was like, I'm here and I'm finally ready to settle. It just was not working out. I started hearing the word travel, like in all of the conversations that I was having with people there. And even over the last couple of months, it's almost like someone was like, or something was trying to tell me to travel, but I was like, no, I need to settle. I am a homebody. I want to be grounded. I need that for my peace of mind. It really shocked me to have that strong of an intuitive hit, which I have, you know, I've learned how to listen to those intuitive moments. And that's taken me many years to learn, you know, to learn to listen and, and then to trust them. You know, after I made the decision to put all my things in storage and come to Costa Rica, I realized that this year, not only have I learned how to let go of the past, to let go of my old life and really embrace this new version of me, but I've also really learned how to create a home within myself. Honestly, even just saying that out loud, I feel like I have like shivers on my legs because I think just the sense of sense of home and security is always something that I have craved in my life. And in my past, like I moved around a lot. I didn't really feel that sense of like safety and security. And so it's like always something I think I've been craving. And I finally, in these last few years, have figured, you know, like really embraced the homebody in me and like learned how to like make myself very comfortable in my environments. And I take pride in that. That's something I like, I love my home being a reflection of who I am. I love decor and aesthetics. I love comfort. I love all of that. Um, But to now really lean into the fact that I can create that wherever I am and I can create that within myself feels like this huge uh, wave of, of liberation. It's like, oh, I actually don't need, even though I want all of those things, I don't actually need that in order to feel safe and secure within myself anymore. And that feels really different for me. And so now I am just really, you know, I'm so blessed that I can work remotely. So now I'm just in this place where I'm just letting myself do whatever I want, (laughs) which is also new. Yeah, this year is also about living for me. Uh, which is something I also, you know, I've always put my relationship, my work, everything came before me for most of my life. And so to just be like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? That feels really different. And so right now I'm here for another couple of days. I'm going back to New York um, to visit family and then going to Ithaca for a visit. And then I'm not sure where I'm going to go, but it's definitely going to be somewhere warm. And I think I'm just going to trust that when it's time to go back to LA to settle that I'm going to know when that is. And I feel really grateful for the freedom that I have um, in my life that I've built. That's allowing me to do this. So many people are terrified of the unknown and won't take that leap because it is unknown. I love what you were sharing about your story because part of it shows that you can take baby steps into the unknown. Like first you went to LA with just the intention to try it out and you had no idea that you were going to stay there. I think if we allow ourselves to just explore different options and to just get curious with what's coming up for us, it then lets it unravel instead of completely shutting it down because we're so scared. I either have to move to LA or stay exactly as I am. And just letting yourself take the baby steps and really feel it out and and then see what comes from that. And I think a lot of people can benefit from approaching change and the unknown in that way. Yes. That's something my somatic therapist who I've seen for the last four years, she's, she, I just feel like I always hear her voice being like, let's stay curious about that, you know, instead of like quickly judging or making a decision, it's like something to stay curious about. And I've really embraced that. um, And it's really opened up a lot of learning for me about myself. Yeah, I think being curious is everything because otherwise we get trapped in our identities. Like you were saying, letting go of former lives and these identities that were such a solid, consistent piece of your life. If we don't Mm -hmm. get curious about them, then we don't 
give ourselves the opportunity to grow and to realize that we are ready to shed past parts of ourselves and to really accept who we are becoming. And that's challenging. I've been thinking about that a lot as well and who I am becoming and also and who I'm ready to become and who I've worked so hard to become. And I feel like sometimes the missing piece is allowing myself to become that person. Like sometimes all the pieces are there and I just have to own it and show up in that way and be confident in that new skin. So I'm curious if you've had those moments where you see yourself in this new life, ready for this new way of being, but you're holding yourself back. I do see how my brain wants to like have a plan. I think that's a way that I hold myself back a lot. And that's just, it is fear. It's what our brains do when we're afraid of the unknown. It's like, I need to make a plan. I need to know what I'm doing. I need to know where I'm going. And so, you know, in this new chapter, it really is an exercise for me of continuing to practice being in the unknown, which is something I've really had a crash course in, in the last two years, like painfully. So I've been doing a lot of work currently around sharing my voice, letting myself be seen. And I think that's something I've been working on for years, honestly. And like, it's something that I've known that I've wanted and I've really had to work through a lot of my own fears around uh, being seen, my own perfectionism. And it's been really cool to see just a little bit of progress. And it's cool because I know that. I know this so well about so many other areas of my life, you know, that it just takes starting and practicing. It's been interesting to witness and be, and to, it's been interesting to be curious about all of it. We've both been working through the fear of showing up more publicly and being seen and using our voice. That's been a huge theme of this last year, especially. I think that that perfectionism is what gets in the way for for a lot of people or the wanting to be perceived in a certain way, wanting to control how others see us and to have an impact in the way that we want to have it. Something that's been the most helpful is just being light about it, just being more playful and not taking it all so seriously, especially with showing up online, just being like, this is not, this doesn't have to be such a scary thing that feels like a big monster. Like I can just have fun with it and be playful with it. And whoever wants to stick around will stick around. What has helped you just push past that fear and show up more? And if if you've had any rewards internally from that exploration. First thing is that I'm not pushing. I learned recently that there's a difference between a push and a gentle nudge. I don't push myself anymore. I gently nudge. And we do need to be nudged, you know, because if we don't, then we're going to stay comfy, you know, and so we do need to be nudged. And so I really like to um, think about the difference between the two. The biggest thing is like really seeing the impact that I can make when I'm in person with people. And it's like where some we I have a conversation with someone and they're like, our conversation really like inspired me or motivated me to do X, Y, and Z. Like that's almost like the proof that I needed to, my subconscious needed to be like, you have something to share. Learning to calm your nervous system because when we do get in that perfectionist mindset, you know, we're all in our head. And so to learn to like be with it and move it through my body is how I work through hard things. I've done a lot of reprogramming work. I imagine myself as a child and having, you know, an adult be like, what do you, what do you think about that, Samantha? What do you, I want to know what you have to say. Like a really loving, like, I'm really curious how you think about this, you know, and, and, and how that's maybe different from me. And now it's like, I have a very strong interest in writing. A few weeks ago, I did a, a writing an embodiment workshop that was in LA. Um, it just with two people who I've really admired for a long time. And I saw the invite, it was like over the summer and it was like register immediately. So just to put myself in spaces where there are writers or p- other people wanting to share their voice. I'm also now in an online 
writing for social media course with um, James McRae, who's the, his account is Words Are Vibrations. That was another thing that just spoke to me. And I was like, yeah, I want to be in the room with other people who are wanting to do this and working through their fears in sharing their voice. To also do that without force. It's like there's such an interesting dance between holding yourself accountable and pushing. And I've done a lot of pushing because I thought I was just holding myself accountable, but you can hold yourself accountable while being very gentle with yourself. And I think it's a very interesting dance and something that I'm really playing with with myself. I think so many of us think that the push is the holding ourselves accountable. And if we don't push ourselves and force ourselves to do the thing, then we won't do it. But that doesn't leave space for the curiosity. That doesn't leave space for us to get to know ourselves and why we feel resistance and what's coming up. And it doesn't leave space for any other option other than what we think we have to force ourselves to do. I'm actually... um writing a piece right now on like creating change in your life. And I think the first step in creating change is to have a lot of compassion for yourself for exactly where you are. Because if you're obsessively trying to change where you're at, there's just so much resistance there. And and the resistance for where you're at, it's almost like you're, you know, you have like hatred for where you're at or something. You're so unhappy with where you're at that you try to then make really big moves and and big moves are not sustainable. And so when there's less resistance where you're like, I'm okay with where I'm at and I want to do something differently. I'm going to make small, gentle, consistent efforts. That's how you create change. I now know that. And so, and I have a lot of things in my life that I'm doing newly and I'm continuously, and I see how my brain wants to be like, I want to be over there now. Then I can be like, oh, like, of course you do. Like you have big goals, you have big ambitions, but you know what? You're right here right now and you're going to get there, but you just need to take little steps consistently. That you've definitely helped me do that more and be kinder to myself and take those smaller steps with more gentleness because I also get so hard on myself and can be so ambitious and want to take these big leaps right now. And I, I don't think that that's a bad part of who I am. No. I just think that some of it comes from not being able to accept myself exactly as I am. And not being able to be soft and be easy with myself and to just let myself soften in all the ways. Like that's been such a hard thing for me. And I think it's a hard thing in society in general, because again, society teaches us to push, to force, to be hard, to be overproductive and to do it all right now. And we don't equate softness with success, but it is. We can actually do anything. It just takes time and patience. If you want to learn a new language, you literally need to like learn the alphabet and then you need to learn, you know, different vowels. I don't know. You're not going to be good at it for a very long time to actually be fluent in another language. Obviously, some people are more skilled at that than others, but that takes a long time and Basically, anything that we want is like learning a new language. Same with building compassion with yourself. That's a new language if you're someone, which most of us are extremely hard on ourselves. So it takes practice and it means you're going to fuck up. And But to continue to come back and be compassionate with yourself for exactly where you are, continuing. And it might mean you're really hard on yourself for two days. And this is what happens to me sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, I've been doing it. It's like your brain just, you know, it's, that's what reprogramming is, you know, it's when your brain, you know, your brain does the old patterns so easily where you don't even know that it's happening, but then you can stop and then do something different. And that's how it gets stronger, how these new patterns get stronger, just to keep coming back. And it's with anything in life. That brings up the somatic piece you were talking about, because we can get so caught up 
in our heads. And so caught up in these thought patterns that have been ingrained in us. But if we are able to step away from just being in our head and really move through the emotions in our body and let it be processed and really, again, get curious with it, mm-hmm. then we're not just getting stuck in that state of being, in that dysregulated nervous system. We're really able to understand it all on a deeper level and reprogram and shift the way we're thinking, the way we're feeling, the way we're acting. Then we can step into that new identity. Then we can move forward with more compassion for ourselves. I really do think it starts by letting ourselves feel our emotions. We push them away too too often. Yes. That is that is compassion, right? It's it's allowing all parts of us sad, angry, disappointed, um, hard, you know, when you're hard on yourself, the perfectionist part. I'm really interested in, um, I haven't really studied internal family systems, but I am familiar with the, um, with parts work. And I really love the concept because we hold so many, there's so many parts of us. And when you are feeling sad or feeling angry, just to recognize that this is a part of you and that this part is allowed to be here. And when you can allow something that's uncomfortable to just be, I believe you move through it so much faster. But most of us, you know, our our culture does not embrace negative emotions. I'm saying that in air quotes. And most of us, you know, grow up in families that don't have a large capacity for emotion, right? And so we learn at a young age to uh, kind of stifle all of that. Like, I need to fix this bad mood. I I need to change how I'm feeling because this isn't right. We hold it all inside. And so that's another thing to learn. You know, it's another thing to practice is just to feel your feelings. And I do believe that that leads to true compassion and it allows you to like move through things a lot better. It allows you to grow when we're holding it all in. It's like, we're not, nothing's happening. Our bodies actually want to grow and expand. And and I think feeling our feelings and really moving them through our bodies is how that happens. Absolutely. And I have experienced this firsthand and the hardest emotion for me to work through still to this day is anger. And I think we all have that one emotion that might be harder for us than, than others. And I used to just not feel like I w- it was okay for me to be angry. This seems kind of silly, but I really had to switch my languaging from I am angry to I am feeling anger because it made the anger or whatever emotion it is that you're experiencing seem less all-consuming. It was no longer mm-hmm. like, I'm an angry person. I am anger, but I'm just experiencing anger. Anger is moving through my body and it allowed it to have less of a hold on me. And I could, I could experience it more. I could let it move more without worrying that it would become who I am. Especially when we're having challenging conversations. I see that this is like a really hard thing for people is, is having challenging conversations. It's also something that we're not taught in, in our lives. You know, it's like, what if there was nonviolent communication in like middle school, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like our world would be different, but I feel that's a responsible way to communicate. Like I'm experiencing anger right now. Um, instead of you're making me angry, that person's not making you angry. They, they did something or said something that reflected anger in you. Something that's been coming up in a lot of conversations I'm having with people is that they're afraid of embracing change and afraid of becoming this new version of themselves because they're worried that the people in their lives who know this past version of themselves won't be able to accept them, embrace them, understand them. And you have gone through so many evolutions and becoming this, again, this new version of yourself. How have those 
conversations looked. Yeah. I literally posted a piece on Substack yesterday, which is around making friends friends as an adult. And I included a lot around how it is natural that as we evolve as people, that the people in our life also evolve. Um, And it can be very heartbreaking to see people like not come along for the ride. And I feel like I'm still very much in an evolutionary phase with this. And I'm, I'm still learning a lot as you grow and expand the people in your life, like in the earlier phase, it's almost like their friend is dying, you know, because this older version of you is no more. And some people are going to want to hang on to that older version and it's going to be harder for them to let go of them. I've been just really, I've been trying to stay curious about this for myself because Um, I do see how um, some of my friends from my younger years, my college friends or whatever, I'm not as close with them as I was. And maybe they aren't embracing all the change that I'm going through. But I've really just had to trust that the people who are meant for me right now, like are going to be here, they're going to show up. And I'm also amazed by seeing who really is here. And I'm amazed by the people that I'm meeting newly because I feel like the people who I'm meeting now, it's like, we can just like go really deep, really fast because I know who I am. And when you know who you are, I just feel like it's so much easier to get to know someone, you know, you know who the people are that maybe you need to have a conversation with. There are some people that it's like, okay, I'm going to just let go and just see, maybe they're going to come back in a few years as like a close friend. And like, that's okay. But there have, I have one or two like really close friends where I've had to be like, like, are you here for me right now? Especially when I was going through like a really hard time. And those conversations are always worth it. I'm always terrified to have them. But I find that when I'm vulnerable in that way that it usually brings us closer together. I feel so grateful to have like a core group of friends who are all over the place that I can really, who like I keep up with and share all of my journey with. Also have those core people in my life who I know will stick by me through all the changes. And then the people in my life who sometimes disappoint me, sometimes surprise me, who I stay curious about. And for people who are listening, who don't know those people who would stick by them, I think instead of seeing that as a reason to stay the same, it's an even bigger reason to embrace the change because then you will find those people who will embrace you and who will accept you exactly as you are. It comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning that you mentioned of finding that home within yourself, coming to some sort of acceptance that no matter what, people will leave, people will judge, people will do what they will do. And I will stay true to myself. Yeah. And nothing nothing feels better than that. And I also think that seeking your people and surrounding yourself with people who inspire you and being in spaces that help us show up as the person that we are becoming and help us show up as the person we are growing into that really helps the people who you surround yourself with are very important and also acknowledging that and accepting that. And there's, there's grief on, on both ends. Like the pandemic, I think was a really, really big time. It was for me. And I I know for other people of like, wow, like who are my people? Because before when we were like out and about and like going to more events and things, it's like, I felt like I had all of these people, but when the pandemic happened, it really like, gave me the opportunity to like look and see like who is here and who is like reaching out to me I realized that there were a number of relationships and maybe even still some we'll see um where we were staying connected because I was reaching out all the time I was the one holding it together but I didn't realize it you know because I 
I was so used to like overworking in relationships where I realized like the people who were really there was a very small group of people. And I also like at that time was doing a lot of work on myself and creating deeper connection in, in myself. And so I think then you just naturally crave that in your relationships. So, um, yeah, it was like when I was, I was like, who am I really connected to? It was a lot smaller than I realized, you know, or I thought before. Um, so I think that was a big kind of like realignment in a lot of ways. I had the same experience because when the pandemic started, I was in treatment and I was also the person who used to always reach out to other people and always check in on other people. And when I went into treatment and started recovery, I didn't do that. And I partially, cause I couldn't, I didn't have my phone and I was right. just really consciously taking time for myself. It was eye opening to see the people who reached out and the people who got curious about what happened. And again, I think allowing yourself to grieve and and let go of old relationships and just come to a sense of acceptance and to question your relationships and question the the depth there. And if you're really being met, you know, that someone like wants to reach out to you and wants to spend time and wants to hear from you and wants to stay in touch, you know, and, and I also love the friends that I'm not in touch with for long periods of time. And then we like have like a serious catch up. Like I'm, I'm open to all all of it. I'm not only looking for one type of relationship. That was one of the things I wrote yesterday too. It's like, not all friends are meant to be everything for you. It's okay to have friends where you like, you have an intense catch up and then maybe you don't talk for three months or you have friends where you only talk about certain things, you know, like maybe it's friends from your past and you love just catching up about friends and family and that's okay too. But just to like know who's there for what, when you go through a dark night of the soul and you're a fucking wreck every single day. One, I didn't share about that with a lot of people, but it was like, who did I feel safe to share that with number one? And who was like really showing up for me? And I saw some of my friends show up for me in ways that I've never seen friends show up for me. And it was really beautiful. And I'm just like, I've told them so many times just how grateful I I was that they literally just sat with me while I was crying and could not stop for almost a year. We only can open the door to that if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to take the leap into the unknown because we, we don't know how people are going to respond. You know, those people could have disappointed you and to let yourself be open to that, it allows you to receive it. And allows you allows people to show up for you in that way. Yeah, right. Being able to receive that is a whole other component of a relationship. But something I want to circle back to is you were talking about these intuitive hits you were getting. And so I want to go into a little more detail about what that looked like, what that felt like, how your intuition speaks to you and how you have created that trust and connection to it. It has taken, that is again, like learning a new language, learning to listen to your intuition is learning a new language. And it's something I really sought out to do at the end of 2019, because I had burned myself out. And I knew that I did not know how to listen to my body. And so I was aware of that, which I think most people probably are not aware that they can't listen, you know? So I feel grateful that I, I had that awareness. And so um, it really has been a long and slow process. So for anyone who's maybe like early in that journey, I just say, keep going, keep making your gentle efforts regularly. For me, I've learned now because it's happened over, over and over again, just what truth feels like in my body. And if, if it's a big, a big truth, there's little truths like, oh, I actually really could eat. like, I would like, like a little chocolate right now. <laughs> you know, like, that's my truth. I'm going to honor that. Um, but then there's something like, wow, I don't think that my relationship is in alignment anymore. That's a truth that is fucking terrifying. And I remember when I heard that, um, 
in the beginning of 2022, it really fucked me up <laughs> for a little while. But there was something because I heard it so clearly and I it felt a certain way in my body, I knew that it was true. And usually when something's true for me, I cry. Even if I'm sharing something that's really happy and beautiful, if I'm just telling someone how much I appreciate them, like my eyes will well up. Like I'm I'm a deep feeler. Um but I will say though that this last like travel intuition, that was the first time that I was hearing the message through other people. I normally hear it as sort of this intuition, like a voice or like I just I think it. And then I, there's a response in my body. And so that, like, I know what it feels like when it's true. This was the first time that I, like, my mind kind of strung together what other people were saying to me, multiple people, in a short period of time. And that was new. But I also, when I heard it, I had that body reaction. And I just completely broke out into tears. So... I think it depends. It's, I think it's always different and I'm open to different ways of hearing it, but I think it's really the way my body responds that I, that I know that it's something to pay attention to. And that's taken practice. And I've also learned that if I'm not sure about something that I wait if I can, which is also something that our culture, you know, our culture is like, you need to know what your life path is and what you want to do next and what you want to have for dinner tonight. I'm not sure. And something I've learned from human design being a uh, sacral sacral authority, wait, my, my sacral authority. Yeah, I was like, what is the word to ask for options? What do you want for dinner? Well, what, give me a few options. I know I respond better to that. And like, Ooh, what sounds good? Practicing with the little things helps you get stronger with the big stuff. And at the point where I had the intuitive hit about my relationship, which was probably the first life-changing intuitive hit that I really felt and heard. It was, that was the beginning of 2022. I started my intuitive listening journey at the end of 2019. So that was a lot of practicing. And and there were some other like life-changing things around feeling really ready to sell my business. Um, that, that definitely happened before that. Um, and some other things, but like, yeah, the relationship one was like, whoa, fuck. Yeah, I, I the whole time you were talking, I was thinking about your human design and how aligned with it it is. And I also am constantly telling people to give me options because that's the only way I can make decisions. I agree that starting in areas of our lives that feel safe and small and comfortable to practice with and then growing from there. And it really will just grow naturally and just trusting that that process. Is there an area of your life where you're, you still don't necessarily trust your intuition? You're still practicing and taking those small steps towards? Yes. Oh my God. Well, even just being here and like socializing with people, it's a little fuzzy for me sometimes when it comes to like going out at night and like having experiences. And I know you, you navigate this well, because I want to connect with people and I want new experiences, but I also need to take care of myself and my body. And so I find that I do get really confused sometimes when I'm like, what's the right thing for me? And sometimes it means just picking something and going with it. Like the other night I met these people and they wanted to go salsa dancing and it didn't really, I don't think we ended up going until like nine o'clock or something. And I remember we were hanging out together and it was like seven. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to, you know, and it's like pitch black already. Like we're going to go out at nine. And it was a push for me physically, I will say. But I ended up going and having such a good time. And I had so much fun. I literally the next day, I just woke up dancing. Like I just, because I love dancing. I was really glad that I went. But I'm wanting to open a little more to new things. So that's just what came to mind. But I know that there's other areas where I'm not as strong in that yet. I mean, that's the story of my life. Yeah. I, <laughs> that I deal with that all the time. And it's, it's, it's really challenging. And I don't think you can disconnect different pieces of your intuition all the time. I think as you continue to trust it all, it all grows in tandem in tandem. 
when you choose to do it, like when I chose to go, I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. Instead of like going and being like, oh, I should have just gone to bed early. Because then it, I think it takes from the experience. It's like, if you're going to do it, fucking do it. I completely agree. Once you make the decision, you got to commit and just like put your heart into it and just like be there and have the best experience you can. And then you can assess afterwards. Actually, this morning, I got up really early and went with two people to go to this waterfall. So we like went on a hike and then we went to this waterfall and I've been wanting to go because I've heard about it for a while. And the two people who I was with are, I would say, quite adventurous. Uh, one of them was riding a motorcycle and then I was on the back of my friend's ATV. And she's kind of like badass, like standing up, going over the bumps. And I'm literally just like holding on for dear life. When we get to the waterfall, you know, one, I was the one that was like, I'm a quite a cautious person, I would say. Like, and there's, I actually know there's some like old stuff for me around that. Um, anyway, so like if I'm hiking or somewhere slippery, it's like, I really take, I'm cautious. I, I'm very slow. So usually I am kind of in the back of the group if there's like a hike or whatever. Um, and so, you know, we're literally walking through water. There's slippery rocks. Um, and we get to the waterfall. It's incredible. I'm obsessed with it. And then they're like, we're going to climb up the waterfall because there's more pools and things. And at first I was like, cool, cool. See you later. I'm just going to sit in this waterfall and have the best morning. Um, they went up. But then they came back down and they were like, you have to come see it. And it, that was another moment of like, do I stay comfortable and safe or do I gently nudge myself to do something new? And I ended up doing it. And I was really proud of myself, um, even though like, yeah, it, like hurt my feet a little bit. And I was like, you know, a little tender, but it was so worth it. And we had so much fun in these different pools. And I'm just so glad that I... I did that, even though I think my intuition at first was like, stay safe. What is something that you wish people talked about more or that you wish you were able to talk about more? I think that we all have so much innate wisdom within us and our culture does not celebrate that and that it is possible for, for everyone to, to listen to that innate wisdom. It just takes time and practice. Because we can learn so much about ourselves and we can have the things that we want, I think. But I, I do believe that, yeah, listening to ourselves is just, it's so important. It changes your entire life experience. And I'm like, I want more people to experience that. I mean, there's a million other things that I think should be talked about more. Conscious communication. We're literally in the midst of a scary and divisive time right now with what's going on in the world. And I just, I don't think that conscious communication alone would fix that, but I think it could, it could help. I believe that every, every human is an intuitive being and is here to follow their intuition that to guide them on their unique path. We are not taught to live in that way. And so many people turn to the outside sources and noises and voices to tell them what to do. And I want more people, like you said, to experience that deep connection to their intuition, to experience that full body trust and knowing and confidence in themselves. Because I think that that's how we embrace who we fully are and accept who we fully are. And if we don't have that connection piece, there's always going to be something within us that we're not embracing about ourselves. And on the communication piece, one of the most heartbreaking parts of what has been happening in the world recently for me is that so much of it has been been stemming from the inability to talk to each other yeah and the inability to hear other people's perspectives and points of view with an open-mindedness yeah and and just for people to be able to have have a conversation without without their 
without already coming with anger and judgments and expectations. What is something that you used to feel shame around that you have learned to love about yourself? I used to feel, oh my God, so many things. That's definitely been a big, like more and more things like that have been coming to the surface over the last year or two, I'd say. I used to have a lot of shame for my love of personal development, personal discovery. Um, Because I've been into this type of work since my early 20s, albeit then was, I would not say maybe like inner healing work as much, but it was like personal growth, right? I got really into that in my early 20s. I got really into landmark education um, and it was great for me at the time. But a lot of my friends thought it was weird, which I totally understand why, because it does sort of seem like a cult, even though it's not. And I loved it until I was kind of done. But yeah, I turned off a lot of my friends. And so I, I just automatically like kept that part of me small. And even if I think about my very young, even younger years, like I've always been interested in bettering myself or... I was really into like reading the astrology um, in like the, you know, magazines. And, you know, I would always buy magazines. It was like 10 days to a better you. Like I was like, yeah, I want to know. So that's always been a part of me. And so I think for most of my twenties and thirties, even I did carry a lot of shame for this side of me. That's just always been fascinated by how we can grow and change. And so now where I'm really stepping into being someone who shares about that, my experience and things that have worked for me, tools, methods, et cetera. Um, that's kind of a celebration. In this chapter, I really feel that my Substack and what I'm sharing online is a celebration of this part of me that has always loved personal growth and whatever you would put like in under that umbrella, um, which is definitely now more healing work like inner work I I always think that there is a part of me that had some shame around my love of healthy eating and I think because for there was a while and I share this with you where I really experienced disordered eating and, and it was almost like an obsession with being too with healthy and so when I kind of started wanting to make changes there because I knew it was not healthy um, I almost shamed myself for my love of health and wellness. But then when I started really thinking about being a kid, when I was like in elementary school and middle school, my favorite place to go in the little town that we lived in was the health food store. I loved walking in there and there was like the weird smell of like the wheatgrass and <laughs> these weird products that I just I was always fascinated by it. And I remember in fifth grade, I had a friend who, whose mom was a hippie and a vegetarian. And I had never met a hippie or vegetarian before in my life. And I was just so enamored by her. And so to like put all of that together and realize, oh my God, this is actually like a part of who I am. And I literally started a business celebrating that part. And like, I, I feel like, I love that part of me now. Like I've always just been so drawn to health and wellness, whatever that means. And that, you know, always evolving. I had a few years where I was like, kind of like shaming it, like as if it was, it was wrong or bad. And so I find myself really like celebrating that and like just getting so much joy out of like the weird things that I love to try. Like I got this buckwheat fig bread in the fridge and I'm like, this is so something I would buy. Like, you're so hilarious. Like, who would buy this buckwheat fig bread? Probably no one. Right. But yeah, yeah. I relate to a lot of that. And I think it can be really difficult to untangle when you are working through disordered eating and eating disorder and really getting to the root of what is my intention with making these decisions? Who am I actually? Who? What do I actually want? What do I actually need? What actually serves me. And I think we have to get curious and experiment to come back to the truth, the truth of that, because I've really struggled with that as well. Cause 
healthy eating has been part of my eating disorder. And it's also just a part of who I am. And the fig bread, the buckwheat fig bread sounds amazing. Like I, (laughs) I would eat that. (laughs) Yes, totally. It's, I mean, this is a whole other conversation I could talk about for a long time because it's it's been something I've really delved into in my recovery. But I do think the root of it is getting curious and really understanding your intentions and then accepting them and owning them. I would also add, is your self-worth being tied up in it? If there's a right and wrong, I'm bad for doing X, Y, Z, I'm good for doing X, Y, and Z, then you really do need to reanalyze your relationship to anything. It could be with alcohol. It could be with fitness. It could be with gossiping. You know, in relationships, if you're like, I'm good, I'm bad about it, I, I think it's something to look at and stay curious about. Yes, I've I just had this exact conversation with my mom recently. We were talking about certain quote unquote rules I made for myself when I started my eating disorder around food and how there are still some, they're no longer rules, but still certain parts of that list, we should say, we could say that I still follow, but the intention and the energy is so different. And I no longer attach my identity to how I eat. I no longer attach my self-worth to doing those things and being being those things. And I do, that's such a good point because I do think that's the difference. And you mentioned, I want to bring up Emmy's. So if anyone doesn't know, Emmy's is a hugely successful food brand. Very delicious. Everyone should try it. My mom, she was one of the OG lovers of it. She- Thanks mom. Tell us about Emmy's. Tell us about your transition and now what, how you work with it now. So- I founded Emmys with my ex-life partner, current business partner and friend, Ian, in a home kitchen in 2009. He taught me how to make this coconut cookie recipe that he really made out of a need for himself. Um, And because he has a lot of dietary restrictions, he created this coconut cookie recipe, taught it to me, and both of us were like, huh, like, this is delicious, number one. And two, it's quite simple. And there really isn't anything like it available on the market. And so we decided to start a business together after dating for only like four or five months, because that's, you know, (laughs) what people do. No, we literally started making the product in his mom's home kitchen. Her nickname is Emmy. That's why it's called that. And literally started going door to door to local stores in Ithaca. We became farmer's market vendors there and then really grew our business by doing it all ourselves. And um, we really took our time. Um, We didn't know anything about the industry. We didn't know anything about, you know, growing a business like this, but we learned through making a lot of mistakes. Um, But by like, we really believed in ourselves in a way. And that was with no goal, especially in the early years. Like we didn't know. And and while we were growing, the industry was also growing because in 2009, like there really weren't, there wasn't a gluten-free section in the store, you know, Walmart was not carrying, Walmart has a gluten-free section, right? Like that was not the case. So our timing was not strategic at all, but it was really good. What people craved most was transparent ingredients that you could read and understand, you know, and our products had that. And so even with these trends of raw and grain free and all these things, our product has had legs. And again, that wasn't strategic, but it's been really cool to learn about this industry by being a part of it. It's been very interesting to see so many bits, some businesses launch, grow so fast, sell, some others grow really fast and then go away. Um, I've met some amazing people in the industry and just to see it grow and shift over these years has been really interesting. And to learn how to, I mean, have a staff of people, manufacturing, like there's so many uh, facets to a business like ours. And to know anything about 
any of these things is such a gift, you know, like I, I think I take it for granted sometimes how much I know about this world. We did not start this business to sell it. We really started the business out of passion and that's what kept us going. And we knew that we had something special because people really loved it. We started the product, we started the business with really ugly packaging, no fancy branding, none of that, but, you know, learned about that. And and that actually did help us grow quite a bit. There was a point though, when it was probably like nine or 10 years in, and that's after we had kind of learned a little bit more about the industry. And we thought, you know, we're so young because I started this business when I was 22 years old. It might be cool to sell the business at some point, you know, so that it could have legs on its own and we could explore other things. You know, that's kind of just like, that could be cool. And so we started talking to investors for the first time because we thought we've grown really slowly without investors this whole time. If we had a little bit more money to invest in certain things, maybe we could grow a little bit faster and get to that point eventually. Because we'd also seen a lot of our friends raise money and like go through that whole process. And basically what ended up happening is that in our fundraising experience, which was very different than what most people go through, we ended up with, instead of, we were talking to this one group that eventually became our acquirers, um, a, a, originally about a minority investment and in talking about them, learning about them and seeing how they were actually a great fit for us in a lot of ways, business-wise, culturally, our conversations turned into an acquisition. So we ended up selling the company before ever raising money formally, which is really rare. But the only reason we did it is because it met all of the goals that we had. One of them was to maintain our entire staff you know, we have an incredible staff of Burmese refugees that work in our facility. Uh, there's an incredible thriving refugee community in Ithaca that we have had the opportunity of being a part of in a little way. And we weren't going to sell the company if it meant those jobs going away. Uh, maintaining our B Corp certification, which is also something that has been really important to us. And because we had never raised any money, no one else had equity in the company. And so that meant that we could give 20% of the proceeds of the sale of the business to our entire staff. All of those things kind of lined up. And every time we kept talking to these people, we really liked them. And I kept, we kept being surprised, like, wait a minute. I liked that guy. I liked that one too. She was really smart. But also I, you know, what was going on with me personally, like through that whole journey was like, I, I realized when I did start doing my inner work that, that I was ready um, for a change. I was ready to have less weight on my shoulders. The pandemic was definitely like really challenging for us, you know, just feeling really responsible for the people that worked for us and their jobs. And we were very, we really worked hard so that we did not lay anyone off uh, during that time. And um, now my role is pretty cool. I'm really in charge of helping maintain the brand's authenticity. Um, and I love that our acquirers care about that. And I really, they, I, they've continued to show me that they, they do, they show us as a team that they really want to keep Emmy's special sauce, as they say, intact. So I do that through product innovation, through messaging with marketing, storytelling like this. And I feel really blessed um, that I've been able to kind of pivot my role into something that feels like it's really in alignment with me now. I think it ties in the theme of this whole podcast, which is staying curious and being open to the unknown. Because if we, if you hadn't been curious and if you hadn't been open to being surprised by the outcome, you would have shut down immediately any options that weren't aligned with what you had logically decided you were going to do, and then you let it unfold in a way that was even more magical than you could have even imagined. Last question. Living intuitively wild means living dedicated to your true authentic self, no matter what. How do you feel like you live intuitively wild? I live intuitively wild by being my own home, for allowing all of me to exist at any given moment and giving space for, for all of me. The more I do that, the more 
I feel like I'm living in my authenticity and that shows in other areas of my life. And it really is felt by the people around you. It's the work we've done together. Spending time in your energy has helped me embody that as well. So Mm, thank you. Thank you for saying that. So please share how people can connect with you, if any work you're doing, anything that you want people to know about your writing. I joined your Substack and I love it. So Yay. all the th- anything you want to share. So I just launched my Substack, which is called I'm Just Listening. Feel free to join there on Instagram. It's Samantha Abrams, A-B-R-A-M-S. And then uh, the, to, if you want to find Emmy's products near you, you can go to emmysorganics.com. There's a store locator. We also sell our products online and on Amazon. Uh, we have a new product that's launching into Whole Foods now. That's very exciting. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. And I'm really grateful to have you in my life. I'm really grateful to have you in my life too. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Intuitively Wild, the podcast. I hope it helped deepen your connection to yourself, sparked some insights, and inspired you to live intuitively wild. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would share it with others and leave a rating and review. And please reach out to me. I would love to connect with you. I will see you next time for more magic.